0: Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host...
1: I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy.
0: Brian Berger.
1: Thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. In segment three, we're going to catch up with Jeff Ma of ProTrade.com for our monthly segment with him. We're going to discuss the New England Patriots spy scandal. We're also going to chat about the Major League Baseball pennant races. Those are heating up. In segment four, SportsCents, you're going to hear my interview with Steve Nash, the two-time NBA MVP of the Phoenix Suns. I was in China last week with Nash for a charity basketball game, and we had a chance to sit down for an in-depth conversation. You won't want to miss that conversation coming up in segment four of today's show. A couple of other notes. Visit my sports business blog at sportsbusinessradio.com. Listen to SBR on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com and click on the podcast page. So I'm back from China. I had a really amazing trip. I saw the bird's nest where the opening ceremony for the 2008 Olympics are going to take place. I hiked the Great Wall of China. I visited Tiananmen Square in the Forbidden City. I spent a day with Kobe Bryant during his Nike promotional visit in Beijing. And then I spent the final two days of my trip with NBA stars Steve Nash, Yao Ming, Carmelo Anthony, Baron Davis, and Leandro Barbosa as they teamed together and raised $2.5 million for several children's charities in China. It was a ton of fun and frankly restored my faith in pro athletes. And we hear all the time the negative headlines going on in sports. I'm here to tell you this was positive and they were doing some great work over in China, and they're going to affect a lot of Chinese children over there, help them a lot. I owe a debt of gratitude to the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center for taking me on the trip to China and letting me tag along with their outstanding students and faculty. And I also want to thank BDA Sports and their president, Bill Duffy, their vice president of marketing, Bill Sanders, for allowing me incredible access for the Steve Nash Yao Ming charity game in Beijing. Again, it was a great time. Jackie Chan even showed up to do the ceremonial opening tip. If you want to see video of the game, Uh, Go on to my blog at sportsbusinessradio.com. I've got some good stuff there. There are plenty of headlines from the world of sports this week, including a dramatically new look for NASCAR star Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s new car and bad news for disgraced cyclist Floyd Landis. We're going to tackle those topics and much, much more coming up in our headline segment. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Sports business curriculum taught by industry experts and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the Center's website, The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center, passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education.
0: This is Sports Business Radio.
1: It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headline, sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit warsawcenter.com for more information. And I'm joined in studio by my producer, Bobby Corser. Headline number one, Hendrick Motorsports this week formally announced that Mountain Dew Amp Energy Drink and the Army National Guard will sponsor Dale Earnhardt Jr. in the new number 88 Chevrolet next season. It will be Hendrick's 12th season with PepsiCo, which has an associate sponsorship with the number 24 of Jeff Gordon. And it's the second with the National Guard, the primary sponsor of Casey Mears's number 25 car. Despite the widely held notion that the combined sponsorship is in the 20 to $25 million range, and is the richest in NASCAR history, Hendrick did not give a specific figure citing confidentiality agreements. Bobby, there's even talk that PepsiCo said that there may be a Super Bowl spot Featuring Dale Earnhardt Jr. And for the Army National Guard, they've had an association with NASCAR for the last two years. They say they've seen their biggest spike in enlistments in the last two years because of this association with NASCAR. So I would imagine joining forces with the most popular driver in NASCAR is only going to help them more.
2: I can't wait to see the commercial of Dale Earnhardt Jr. carrying a weapon across a field (laughs) of military fatigues, blowing things up. Because you and I both know that's coming up.
1: (laughs) Well, maybe they'll put him in a video game or something like that. But, you know, the interesting thing is this. You know, Dale Jr. has been the number eight, and he's been with Budweiser. Now he's going with an energy drink. He's going to be targeting a whole new audience, and I think it's going to be good for him. And we're also going to see this. Budweiser is already an established brand amp energy drink is really new to the market we are gonna see what dale earnhardt jr
2: can do to grow a brand that's gonna be interesting to watch two observations real quick one a lot less drunk people and a lot more buzz people i mean people just antipod up on energy for next year and with number 88 it's great because you already have the eight established now you have to just go out and buy another eight if you have a tattoo of number eight all you have to do is go out and have it kind of merged over i mean they couldn't have asked for a better number
1: well, and as we've been saying for months on this show, this is going to be a merchandise marketing bonanza. Everyone is going to go out and get the little car with the new number 88 and the new color scheme. They're going to go get all the new t-shirts with number 88. So if you're looking at it from a NASCAR standpoint, from a Dale Earnhardt Jr. standpoint, and from a Hendrick Motorsports standpoint, this is going to be, you're just going to sit there where the big catchers met and catch all the money.
2: I totally agree. Totally agree. It's, it's the all-star team. Of NASCAR now.
1: Yeah, our next headline. Look who's back in the news and just in a nick of time, because you know things were starting to get so boring around here. The juice is on the loose again. OJ Simpson is free after posting bail of $125,000 on Wednesday in Las Vegas. Simpson must surrender his passport, but he's free to travel within the U.S. He's back home in Florida. Now, the NFL star who escaped double murder charges in 1995 has 11 charges against him, including first-degree kidnapping and assault, both with a deadly weapon. Simpson will be arraigned the week of October 22nd, when he's expected to plead not guilty. Bobby, this story just keeps getting stranger and stranger by the hour. Here are my questions. Number one, who would invite OJ to their wedding? Number two, then who would decide after meeting OJ at the wedding that they want to assist him in an armed robbery? Number three, why in the world would OJ go commando brandishing a gun burst into a hotel room all in the name of stealing his own merchandise? And is it really that important to, get, important to get a picture of himself with J. Edgar Hoover, which is one of the things that was in the room? And here's the one that's last but not least. How in the world—you know, O.J.'s supposed to be broke. There was this $33.7 million civil suit that the Goldman family won against him in 1997. How did he come up with 125
2: grand to get bail to get out of jail? I'm sure he had rich friends in rich places. The best part about this, though, is— he didn't get charged. He wasn't found guilty on murder charges. They're going to get him on kidnapping and trying to steal his own stuff. But my favorite part of this whole thing was everybody now knows what kind of car he was going, leaving the jail for, to go to the airport in. Now we all know they flew U.S. Airways from Vegas to Florida. We all followed him go from Florida to his home. Are they going to do it the way back? Because, you know what, listen, you get a ton of free advertising for U.S. Airways. Their entire flight was, you know, just covered on the air. Yeah, I mean, this is a story that, frankly, you couldn't script. I mean, this
1: is Comedy Central's great. You know, I've been watching The Daily Show this week with Jon Stewart, one of my favorite shows. He's having an absolute field day with this story, and so is the rest of the national media. We'll follow it. We'll try not to talk about it too much, but I think it's hilarious. Our next headline. Look who else got in hot water while I was away in China. Patriots head coach Bill Belichick. He was fined half a million dollars and the Patriots were fined $250,000 and stripped of a draft pick in next spring's NFL draft, possibly a first-round selection, for stealing the signals of an opposing team via videotape. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell has also ordered the Patriots to turn over all videotape files and notes relating to all their activity of taping the Jets' sideline signals on September 9th. So here's my question, Bobby. If it's determined that the Patriots cheated during that September 9th game, why weren't they disqualified? Why didn't they have to forfeit that game? Why did they still get the victory if they cheated?
2: This calls into question now all their past Super Bowl wins, all their wins in the title games. I don't know how they can, you know, they can't sweep this under the rug. The NFL's got something else now they got to deal with. It's not as bad as Michael Vick, but it's you know slowly getting there.
1: Well, just like we talked with the NBA, anytime the integrity of the league is in question and we talked about that with the Tim Donaghy sk- uh, scandal in the NBA, the league has a problem. The league did come out and issue a statement on Thursday and it read as I quote, "The Patriots have fully cooperated and complied with the requirements of the commissioner's decision." All tapes, documents, and other records relating to this matter were turned over to the league office and destroyed, and the Patriots have certified in writing that no copies or other records exist. End quote. So I'm going to discuss this scandal in more detail with Jeff Ma of ProTrade.com in our next segment. Stick around for that. Our next headline. The fate of Barry Bonds' record-breaking home run ball is now in the public's hands after its buyer announced Monday he was taking votes on whether to give the ball to the Hall of Fame, brand it with an asterisk and send it to the Hall of Fame, or blast it into outer space. Fashion designer Mark Echo revealed himself as Saturday's winning bidder in the online auction for the ball that Bonds hit last month to break Henry Aaron's all-time home run record of 755. The final selling price on the ball? seven hundred fifty-two thousand dollars $467. Uh, well, above what a lot of people predicted. And, Bobby, here's my point with this. I'm a PR guy. So I like to see how people, you know, get their name and their brand out there. If you spent $2.5 million on a Super Bowl spot, you're probably going to be lost in the shuffle of all the other advertisers. This guy went out, spent $752,000 on this baseball. He's established this website, Vote756.com. And in a week, He's been on the Today Show. He's had an Associated Press story run in most every major newspaper in the country. I think he's already made his $752,000 back, and people know who Mark Echo is today, and they didn't know who he was a week ago.
2: Yeah, and you're going to know Mark Echo now as the guy who bought the ball from here on out. He'll be part of the history that follows this ball. But, you know, you and I were discussing off-air, what are we going to do with the ball? I personally say put it on the rock ship, blast it out of space.
1: Yeah, I say, uh, you know, and I'm going to steal this from a journalist here in Portland. I say take O.J. Simpson and the ball and blast both of them into space. Speaking of Bonds, Bonds said, this was his quote, he wasn't happy with this at all this week. He said, he's stupid. He's an idiot. He spent $750,000 on the ball, and that's what he's doing with it? What he's doing is stupid. That's what he told the San Francisco Chronicle. Well, as usual, I disagree with Mr. Barry Bonds. Our next headline, Floyd Landis lost his doping case Thursday when arbitrators upheld the results of a test that showed the 2006 Tour de France champion used synthetic testosterone to fuel his comeback victory. The decision means Landis, who repeatedly is denied using performance-enhancing drugs, must forfeit his Tour de France title and is subject to a two year ban retroactive to January 30th, 2007. The ruling, handed down nearly four months after a bizarre and bitterly fought hearing, leaves the American with one final way to possibly salvage his title, and that's an appeal to the Court of Arbitration for Sport. If Landis doesn't appeal, he'll be the first person in the 105 year history of the race to lose the title because of a doping offense. Now, I've read some things on this I haven't followed it intimately Bobby but it seems like from day 1 Landis has been guilty and and now we're seeing that uh you know he's really going to be the first champion in the Tour de France's history to be banished
2: poor Landis I feel bad for the guy we should just you know wave goodbye to him because he's toast
1: yeah and the other thing is Floyd when you show up to these press conferences dude don't wear the backward hat. I mean, come on. Can't you wear a suit? Can you do something else to polish your image just a little bit? Our final headline of the week, speaking of doping, golf finally joined other major sports Thursday when its leading organizations announced an anti-doping policy that will begin in 2008. The list of banned substances includes anabolic agents, hormones, stimulants, narcotics beta blockers and masking agents the organizations behind the drug policy are the pga tour the european tour the u.s golf association the royal and ancient golf club the augusta national golf club the pga of america and the lpga tour so looks like everyone except for the champions tour is in on this uh, thing i guess they figure if the old guys are uh shooting up or doping or using hgh then uh it's all fair game. Uh, Give them a little extra assistance. So I wanted to talk for a few minutes about my trip to China. It was an amazing trip, a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Uh, If you want to see A lot of the things I did, I invite you to go to my blog at sportsbusinessradio.com. I've got pictures, I've got video, I weighed in with thoughts on several of my visits around Beijing and Shanghai, but some of the highlights. First of all, I got to tour the Olympic venues, I got to see the bird's nest, Bobby, and you've probably seen the pictures on the internet, it's where the opening ceremonies are going to be held. It is really an amazing work of architecture, and uh, getting to see it up close, I was even more impressed.
2: You no, know, no, You showed us the pictures when you returned, and I was just kind of blown away just by the architecture. And the uh, fact that you were telling me earlier, you were saying like Shanghai has 40% of the world's cranes?
1: Yeah, so the Olympics are going to be in Beijing, but in Shanghai, where I also went to visit, there's 20 million people. So combine the populations of L.A. and New York, and then 40% of the world's cranes, as I said— are in Shanghai. And then here's a stat for you. 3,000 buildings of 50 stories or more currently reside in Shanghai. It is just a booming, booming city. The economy in China is booming. Um, Another thing I got to do was tour uh, a sports and apparel factory. I've always wanted to do that. I've heard the stories. Uh, I've gotten the press releases from Nike and Adidas and other companies about what they're doing with their policies over there, trying to make things better. Uh, for the factory workers. So it was really interesting for me to get to go inside a factory. I spent several hours there. Um, again, read my blog for a full recap. And then I got to do some tourist things, things I've always wanted to do. I hiked the Great Wall of China, which was just amazing. Um, I got to go to Tiananmen Square, the Forbidden City. The amazing thing to me, Bobby, was the Chinese took part in some of the most unbelievable construction projects that our world has ever seen. And frankly, The United States history, which pretty much started in 1776, is nothing. It's in its infancy when you compare it to the history of China. So it was a pleasure to go on this trip, and from a business perspective, I learned a lot and banked some interviews that we're going to bring to you in the upcoming months as we get closer to the Olympics, and then just as a tourist... I was amazed to see things like the Great Wall of China. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Jeff Ma for our monthly segment. He's with ProTrade.com. We're going to talk more about this New England Patriots spy scandal. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be back in a minute. Hey, girl.
0: <laughs> or online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Experts say buy what you know, and you know sports, right? But is it a good buy? For an insider's look at sports on Wall Street, Sports Business
1: Radio presents Stock Up, Stock Down. My guest is Jeffrey Ma. He's the vice president of research for protrade.com. He's joining us for our monthly segment. Jeff, thanks for taking some time.
3: Hey, no problem. was good to be on the show.
1: So I've been out of the country for the last few weeks, and lo and behold, even all the way over in China, I heard about this Patriots spine scandal. What's your take on this? Because my take is that it's not done yet. We're far from done on this thing. Um, You know,
3: I think that there's a lot of different takes on this. I mean, I think that you know everyone has thrown their opinion and their hat in the ring on what this all means. you know, you gotta, you got to take what I say with a grain of salt because I am a Patriots fan. But um, what I see this as, I, I see this as being a little bit much ado about nothing. I mean, I think that there's clearly, um, clearly you have in Belichick a guy who wants to win at all costs and who probably doesn't have the same ethical or moral filter that some of us do and can justify in his mind doing things that may cross the line. But, I mean, I think that there are... In sports, a lot of evidence where people do tend to try to get every advantage they can, and I think that that's what uh, Belichick was doing. Um, I I personally do think it's more or less over. I mean, I think that the you know the commissioner has, has made his you know made his ruling, which which I do believe was a pretty harsh ruling. I mean, a, a first round draft pick and, and the fines that he gave. I mean, yes, he could have suspended Belichick, but I think that the first round draft pick has a greater Um, value or detriment than any suspension that he might have been able to do to Belichick, unless it was, you know, multi-game suspension kind of thing. Um, You know, from what I've read and from what I've seen, I mean, I think that one of the things that you're seeing here is a tremendous amount of piling on um, by people that have been waiting to take a shot at the Patriots. I mean, nobody likes a winner. Nobody likes a perennial winner, especially a winner who has come out as squeaky clean as the Patriots have seemed over the last seven years. Now, I don't think it's going to have a big impact on the Patriots' performance. I mean, I think that you know that there was definitely a rallying, unifying um, theme that came across when they played the Chargers on Sunday night, and it was almost like they just wanted to prove to the league, and I think they're going to feel that way all the rest of the year where it's like people are going to keep commenting about it and they're going to want to keep shoving it in their people's face. It's a very, very, very familiar and comfortable position for the Patriots to be that team that nobody believes in. no one said we could do it, all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I think that it's – there. I don't think there's going to be a lot more in terms of sanctions and things like that. You may know more than me. All I know is what I've been reading and what I've seen. And, you know, I mean, I think that the the Patriots were trying to do something that, you know, gave them a leg up, whether it was psychological or not. You know, I've talked to some people inside the game – Brent Jones, those kinds of people who think that the, the advantage that they have was probably pretty minimal with getting those signs.
1: You know, I don't disagree with anything that you've said. I just think if there's any way at all that they find out that this is more widespread and that it was it crossed uh, more than just that Jets game on September 9th, I think the commissioner, who's already in a cranky mood from uh, a real tough offseason with Pac-Man Jones and Michael Vick and now this, Boy, I just think even as uh, great as Belichick's legacy has been, if there's anything that's going to taint the integrity of the game, I don't think Goodell's going to stand for that. Yeah,
3: I mean, I think that it's one of those things. I mean, I don't know if there's there's a pretty good blog out on the web right now from a, uh, the uh, sports professor or sports law professor, I forget what he's called, but basically it talks a lot about the rule itself and, and how, in essence, there was a little bit of ambiguity in the rule and in the interpretation of the rule so, I mean, I think that, you know, I, I don't know how much it is in Goodell's interest to continue to have this be, you know, an issue. if Going forward, if the Patriots break any more of these type rules, I could see it being a big deal. But I don't know why it would be in Roger Goodell's interest to, to make this thing go even further than it has. I mean, wouldn't we want their people to be talking about it? I mean I mean, a perfect example was Sunday night you had – what was the marquee matchup right of two teams that people believe that there's probably three teams that are favorites to win the Super Bowl right now the Colts the Patriots and the Chargers and you had one team completely dismantle the other team but yet at halftime um, on the sidelines they're still talking about this video thing and if I'm Roger Goodell is that really what I want my product to be dealing with when I have to deal with things that are happening with Michael Vick and whatnot so I mean it, it I don't know if it's in Roger Goodell's interest to, to make this thing last any longer than it has.
1: No, I agree with you there. Let's talk then about some happier results on the field, some performances thus far in the NFL season. I'm joined by Jeffrey Ma. He's the vice president of research for ProTrade.com. You can read his work at ProTrade.com. Jeff, some really incredible performances so far during the season and then some disappointments. The guy that uh, I guess I have to circle so far – Derek Anderson, you know, I'm based here in Oregon. I watch him in Oregon State. Where does this guy come from, the quarterback of the Browns?
3: Yeah, I mean, he had some good moments at the end of last year. I mean, he led a big fourth quarter comeback for the Browns, and, um, you know, he has a lot of great weapons. I mean, Jamal Lewis is a guy that they say has lost 15 pounds and is quicker than he's ever been. I mean, they, they seem to say that about him every year. But, you know, he's, he's back in football, and, and he's running well, and then he's got – you know, Braylon Edwards and Kellen Winslow, who, you know, I, I think Braylon Edwards could be a top-ten wide receiver. He's a great route runner, and he's one more re- year removed from that injury, so he's quicker than he was. Um, you've got Kellen Winslow, who, you know, had, what, I think 80 catches last year and is definitely a marquee tight end, you know, almost a wide receiver. And then he, he's got a guy like Joe Jarvisus who's good size and good hands. So he certainly has the weapons to do it. The thing that's almost amazing to me is how Charlie Fry beat him out in the preseason and then how quickly they got Charlie out of town so that Derek, you know, would could play and feel the comfort of playing. So, um it's definitely a surprise, but I mean in in the NFL, you know, these these people are NFL players for a reason and anyone can have a big a big uh, outburst like this especially when playing against a team which has a very suspect defense in Cincinnati.
1: Well, we see teams like Detroit and San Francisco, and I'm going to give you credit for picking San Francisco. You know, I know it's early, but both teams are two and zero. But then on the flip side, the New Orleans Saints, who you know many people picked to advance far in the playoffs this year and even reach the Super Bowl, they're zero two. Give me the the tale of the tape with New Orleans. Are they just off to a rough start? Can yeah, I mean, I think around? there's a
3: couple things happening with New Orleans. Um, I've always been very anti Reggie Bush um, last year before the draft I went on record saying that I wouldn't take him as the number one pick in, a, in an interview with SI um, and actually I said that I would pick Mario Williams so I kinda looked like an idiot wow. last year uh, I said I said uh, Mario Williams or Debrigashaw Ferguson so you know I, I mean the thing with the thing with that team in general is is they really took took, uh, took the league by surprise last year and anytime you have a situation like that in the NFL it seems like that's a much easier role to be in to be the hunter rather than hunted. Now they are somewhat the hunted, and you add to that the fact that they've played a couple teams where I think they don't match up that well. I think they have a little bit of trouble with that cover, two, and both teams that they play, Tampa and Indy, are probably the two best at running that cover, two. It makes Breeze have to go for more underneath stuff, and you would think that that would be a great situation where he could go to the you know, Reggie Bush is the world underneath, but it just hasn't seemed to click. And their running game, their offensive line has been uh, has been pretty poor, and their defense has been absolutely horrid with their secondary really looking like they have no idea what they're doing out there. So I think they'll be okay in that. I still think that they'll probably run off some wins. I think they'll probably win this week. It'll be their first home game. They'll be charged up for it. I still think Drew Brees is an elite quarterback. Um, but I do have my questions about, you know, still about Reggie Bush because I think the guy simply just dances too much, doesn't attack the hole well enough, and a lot of the stuff that worked in college because he was faster than everyone else doesn't really work in the NFL unless they can get him out in space.
1: My guest is Jeff Ma from ProTrade.com. Jeff, we've got a few minutes left. I want to talk about baseball, the pennant races. I've got to eat crow right now on this show. I said several months ago that there was no way that the New York Yankees. We're going to make the playoffs, and lo and behold, unless something bizarre happens, they're going to be in the playoffs, and they may even turn out to win the AL East after being down 14 and a half games. Tell me how you see the rest of the season in the playoffs shaking out.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think the American League, everyone's kind of real keyed on it because of how close everything is, but at the end of the day, it's it's uh, sort of much ado about nothing. I mean, I'm a big Red Sox fan, and everyone is asking me, are you you know, are you panicked, are you upset? Of course, it would be a tremendous emotional blow if the Red Sox were to lose this division to the Yankees. But in the, at the end of the day, it's not going to matter. They're going to be playing. They're both going to be playing in two weeks. It's, and, and the only difference is who are they going to be playing. And that's when you step even one more further into this. What does this even matter? Because who can say who do you rather play at this point? Cleveland and the and the Angels, who or the Angels who have the same record right now. So. It's um, it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out, but I kind of feel like these are four teams that are relatively even in a lot of ways, and it it you know it's hard to say who has the advantage. And and in you know baseball last year, do you know how many of the home teams actually won their um, series? How many out of the seven series last year, be it the division and then you know the the pennant and then sort of the, the World Series. Only one home team won their series, and that was the New York Mets.
1: Yeah, that's a telling stat. So, in the National League, I mean, gosh, is there anyone that can beat an American League team, and then who comes out of that fray? Well, I actually
3: really like, in the National League, the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, I think they have a great lineup in Corey Hart, Ryan Braun, and and Prince Fielder. I think they have a a good bullpen, and, and, you know, if Turnbow can get his head on, but Cordero has been very solid they've got an elite pitcher in sheets and and some guys to back him up and, and Gallardo um and so i, I kind of like them if they can if they can somehow sneak this out with the cubs i like them to be a real surprise in the NL east i just think the other teams you know the mets have some have some great things to them but they've they've definitely struggled this year a lot and I, I have questions about their rotation and the age of their rotation i mean i know they have the guys that are the veterans that have done their, that have been there before but you know, Glavin and Pedro and El Duque, those guys are up there. I mean, what, El Duque's been out because he has bunions on his foot. So <laughs> that's, that's a problem when, you, when you're relying on guys like that.
1: Last thing, I think one of the top storylines of the playoffs, A-Rod can opt out after this season. He's going to make a truckload of money somewhere, whether it's in New York or somewhere else. I think he's got more pressure on him this postseason than any other player. What are your thoughts?
3: Yeah, I would say that if he had a mediocre year this year, Um, He did not have a mediocre year. He had an outstanding year, the best year of any player. Um, So I I think there's less pressure on him than than that, just because I think that he's already proved that he is an elite player and, you know, maybe the best player in baseball. So I I think that, you know, I I agree. I mean, I was on uh, MLB radio today talking, and they said if the Yankees lose in the first round, the story is undoubtedly going to be A-Rod Chokes again. So maybe you're right in saying that, but I've got to believe that there are plenty of people that want his services regardless of what happens in, you know, three to ten games in the playoffs.
1: No, I agree with that, but I just think, uh, you know, this is a guy in New York. They're all about championships, and they don't care what you did in the regular season as long as you help get them to the postseason. Once it's the postseason, it's a totally new season, and I think he's going to be remembered this year for what he does in the postseason, but we'll see. I think you raised some good points. Jeff, I appreciate you making time, as always, every month. Jeff Ma, ProTrade.com. Read him. He's got some great stuff. I appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks, Jeff. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm looking for a place to have dinner with family, friends, or business associates, there's only one restaurant on my list. Morton's The Steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. In its 28th year in business, Morton serves only the finest quality foods featuring USDA prime-age beef, fresh seafood, hand-picked produce, and decadent desserts prepared to perfection, not to mention the award-winning wine list. When my destination is Morton's, the best is always on the menu, and they treat me like a VIP during every visit, whether in the dining room or the private boardrooms. With almost 75 restaurants conveniently located around the world, Morton's is the gold standard when it comes to steakhouses. To find the Morton's nearest you, or to make a reservation, go online to mortons.com. Morton's, the best steak anywhere, and the official steakhouse of Sports Business Radio. Back
0: to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger.
1: While I was in China recently, I had the opportunity to spend the last two days of my trip following NBA stars Steve Nash, Yao Ming, Carmelo Anthony, Baron Davis, Leandro Barbosa, and Yi Jianlian, as well as the Chinese national team, as they raised $2.5 million for several children's charities in China. $1 million was raised at a gala dinner, and another $1.5 million was raised from the charity basketball game. You know, these NBA stars participated with the Chinese national basketball team. It was an amazing effort, especially when you consider the fact that the NBA didn't sanction the game until a few weeks ago. These players flew half a world away to lend a hand. And special thanks should be given to Bill Duffy and BDA Sports for allowing me incredible access to the team bus, the practices, team meals, and the locker room. Bill Sanders, who is a fellow Loyal Marymount alum, uh, was also a tremendous help thanks to Bill. Uh, so we all know what Steve Nash can do on the court as the two-time MVP of the NBA. But the thing some people may not realize is that he's one of the most forward-thinking and socially responsible athletes on the planet today. He's doing incredible things with this foundation, and his charitable legacy will far outlast his NBA career. The main reason I rearranged my travel plans to return from Shanghai to do this interview with Steve Nash in Beijing was because I've wanted to talk to Steve Nash for a long time, I think, He's got a lot going on outside the lines, and we know what he can do inside the lines, but I wanted to talk to him about his charitable foundation and and some of his thoughts uh, with things that he's doing outside of basketball. He doesn't do many interviews as he shies away from the spotlight, and just like on the court, He passes the credit to others. But I was able to catch up with Nash for a few minutes on day two of our trip, the day after that fundraising gala that previous night that raised a million dollars for charity. Our conversation took place as we rode the team bus to the practice at the Chinese basketball training facility. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Steve Nash of the Phoenix Suns.
0: One-on-one with those making the big-time decisions that impact your sport. This is Sports Sense on Sports
1: Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. My guest is Steve Nash of the Phoenix Suns, the two-time MVP of the NBA. Steve, last night at the dinner you told the story of how you became involved with this effort to raise money for several Chinese charities. Uh, can you repeat that story for our listeners?
4: Well, it started uh, with a Chinese-American friend of mine, uh, you know, we were discussing how, with the population's size uh, and the obvious difficulties in servicing all the children in the country, whether it be orphanages, education, healthcare—you um, know, there's so many different ways that you know millions of children in this country don't see the same opportunity that uh, others do, and especially the, the opportunities we're afforded in North America. So, you know, it felt like, um, especially with basketball's popularity here and the amount of support we've received from the Chinese people. You know, it felt like something I, I was inspired to do, to come and try to help in some way in this country.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I think it's, it's a testament to you and Yao that several other prominent NBA players, the Chinese national team, they've helped your efforts.
4: Yeah, it's been amazing, you know, to have a, a you know a group of guys of the quality of this come over last minute for, uh, you know, a short trip and, and really lend their hand is just phenomenal. And you know, I think it's very difficult to put some of this one of these things on, and one of the most difficult things is to get guys to to give up some of their time to come all the way halfway across the world is very very impressive and very important to the cause so these guys all deserve uh, ownership in this as well.
1: What did you think of the reception you received from the Chinese people last night? I thought it was phenomenal
4: It's amazing uh you know to be uh so well received on the other side of the world is uh something that I think um, you you never really can expect or or dream of it's it's a, it's very very um, you know uh, humbling and eye opening to realize the importance that they and support that they've placed in the NBA.
1: This is your second trip to uh, China. You said you've been to Hong Kong previously. What are your thoughts of China? I know you haven't had much time to get around, but do you have some thoughts?
4: Well, I'm loving it. It's very enjoyable, first of all. Uh, it's a history lesson. I think what's so fascinating about China is its unique history, uh, an ancient history, uh, coupled with the fact that it's now in a time of change. And, you know, as it becomes uh, increasingly capitalist, uh, combined with the socialist government or communist government, it's such an interesting time right now. So, uh, fascinating culture, fascinating history, and just a, a beautiful experience for all of us. Soccer
1: as they call it, football. Very big over here. I went to Women's World Cup in Shanghai the other night. Uh, I know you have a passion for soccer. Your brother plays soccer. Talk about uh, soccer a little bit. If you...
4: Well, yeah, it's, my, it's a huge passion of mine. I spend a lot of my uh, downtime watching soccer and uh, in the summer I play, so it is huge for me. And it's a unique country in, here in China in that respect for me, because it's two most popular sports are my two sports, uh, soccer and basketball. So uh, it's an interesting, you know, I don't know if you want to say coincidence or or similarity that I share with this country, and uh, that also makes it fun for me.
1: Were you ever uh, close to considering maybe pro soccer over pro basketball?
4: Well, as a kid, for sure. I never played. I didn't play basketball until I was really 13 uh, on a team. So, you know, I always wanted to play soccer, and um, you know, but all my friends played basketball when I got to the eighth grade, and I wanted to be with my friends, so I kind of gave soccer up and. And you know, I still have a dream of playing pro soccer that's uh, very childlike, but uh, you know sometimes you forget that you're an adult now, so I still have the dream and passion for it even though I know that it's uh, passed me by. You know watching you on the basketball
1: court, some of your moves look like they're developed from soccer, is that true?
4: Definitely uh, uh, influenced incredibly by soccer, and I think my game is, is definitely influenced by soccer. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't necessarily take anything from soccer and consciously put it into my basketball game, but I think just the fact that I was born into soccer and played every day as a kid, uh, you know, can't help but influence the way I play basketball. You're incredibly
1: socially responsible. Um, you have clauses in some of your contracts, for instance, with Clearly Canadian, where they give water to, I think, uh, people in Panama. Where did you develop your sense of social responsibility and I guess the ability to see beyond
4: yourself? I don't know. It just feels natural and feels right to have a, a sense of the global community. And uh, I, I just, it's, it's a personal thing to me, but I feel, without sounding cheesy, like somewhat of a citizen of the world. And I think that I can relate to people of all different cultures and understand that we all come uh, in the same former. or. Uh, shape with variation and I feel like we should have that sensitivity for one another and realize that you know we're really fortunate for what we're born into but you know it's a very uh very fine line whether you're born into you know a middle-class family in Victoria British Columbia or you're born into you know poverty and hunger in um you know a countryside town in China so Um, You know, that's kind of the way I look at things, and I feel like it's important to have that sensitivity towards one another because you could easily be in another man's shoes. Your foundation is growing. You did a charity game in Vancouver this summer.
1: Um, Tell me about some of your efforts with your foundation, what you hope to accomplish in the future.
4: Well, there's a lot we want to accomplish. You know, we've got, we now have Steve Nash Youth Basketball going nationally in Canada. We have grant programs in Canada for underserved children. Uh, We also. I've uh, done water projects, like you mentioned, in Latin America. Uh, we've done a hospital, a neonatal cardiovascular recovery ward in Paraguay. And we're getting, hopefully getting involved in Educare, uh, the Bill Gates platform that's helping uh, at-risk preschool kids and giving them an opportunity to become... You know, great students. It's a fantastic teaching model that allows at-risk kids that otherwise have very little chance at, an educa- at success, at succeeding in education, an unbelievable advantage as far as education. So, that's an important platform we'd like to start in, in Phoenix. And then this this project is outside of my foundation. You know, to come and help China, I, I didn't want to burden my foundation with this much work. And um, but it was, was an idea that I thought was was worthy, and it's definitely been uh, worthwhile.
1: Uh, Steve Kerr new general manager of the phoenix suns i've had robert sarver on the show a few times steve reminds me of you i mean you guys are both intelligent ball players um how much interaction do you have with steve in his new role
4: uh, quite a bit yeah steve you know uh, reaches out and, and we talk about things quite a bit in his young career so far so he's been great to me he's been really supportive and and wanted my input and you know it's uh an exciting time for our club to have someone I think of his intelligence and experience and championship experience in our club. You've added Grant Hill
1: um, seasons coming up quickly Um, tell me about your thoughts for the upcoming season if you would.
4: Very excited It was a very difficult way to lose last year in the playoffs and I think Grant's a great addition I think uh, and as importantly hopefully the addition of that experience will be a huge part of our, our success this year and our ability to to become a championship team so you know, for us i think just being mentally tougher and being a little more intelligent will go a long way steve uh you are uh, a phenomenal human being and
1: an athlete and i appreciate you taking a few minutes
4: my pleasure thank you
1: you're listening to sports business radio we'll be right back Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm looking for custom-fit fine clothing and personal service to match, I call my friend Brian Tacker with the Tom James Company. Tom James's highly trained sales professionals like Brian Tacker come directly to your home or office, saving you valuable time. Brian plans and coordinates my wardrobe, so I am perfectly attired for any situation, whether it's a TV interview, a press conference, or a fundraiser. The Tom James Company offers over 500 suit fabrics and 250 shirt fabrics, and they carry all the accessories you'll need, from belts and ties to shoes and socks. The Tom James Company has been in business for over 40 years, and 80% of their business is generated from repeat customers. Call Brian Tacker today at 503-807-7956 or find his information at sportsbusinessradio.com. Ryan Tacker and the Tom James Company, the official fine clothing partner of Sports Business Radio.
0: The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. Well,
1: after months of rumor and speculation, the NHL officially announced plans this week for the Amp Energy NHL Winter Classic, a January 1st matchup between the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Buffalo Sabres at Ralph Wilson Stadium in Buffalo. It'll be the first game played outdoors in the U.S., 42,000 tickets to the game sold immediately after they were put on sale. The game could draw upwards of 73,000 fans, which would break the NHL single-game record of 57,000 fans. I can tell you this. Maybe the NHL should consider playing all of their games outside because there's more buzz around this game than any game that's been played in the NHL for years, including the Stanley Cup. And how about the money PepsiCo spent on... On the Amp Energy Drink Sponsorships this week. We told you earlier in the show that they're sponsoring Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s car. They're also sponsoring this game. They're dishing out the money strong. Lots of thank yous for our show this week. Steve Nash of the Phoenix Suns. It was an honor to get to interview him. Tremendous insight from him Jeff Ma from ProTrade.com Our show staff, Nathan Roach Bobby Corser, Josh Blank Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris And Doug Zanger Our sponsors, Morton's the Steakhouse The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon and ProTrade.com, a podcast reminder. You can catch our show on demand anytime you want via podcast. Just go to SportsBusinessRadio.com and click on the podcast page. I'm Brian Berger. Like I said, it's great to be back from China. We'll be with you again next weekend. Have a great week. You've been listening to Sports Business Radio.